Go ahead and turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. For the last five weeks, we've been looking at God's Word, the Bible, and trying to discover how we can live a stress-free life. Now, thus far, as we've looked at the first four verses, there have been only two characters. There have been the sheep and there has been the shepherd. But as we get to verse 5, a third character enters the scene, and that is the character of the enemy. And the fact of the matter is we all have enemies, don't we? And the truth of the matter is we always will have enemies. I heard about a reporter who was interviewing a a man who had just turned 100 years old. And as he was interviewing him, he said, what is your greatest accomplishment in life? And the 100-year-old man thought for a second, and he said, I don't have any enemies. And the reporter said, that is absolutely amazing. That is incredible. That is fabulous. If, if more people were like you, we wouldn't have all the problems in the world. The 100-year-old man said, yep, I've outlived every one of them. But the truth of the matter is, you will never outlive all of your enemies. And our enemies come in all shapes and sizes. We find them across the ocean. We find them on the other side of the tracks. We find them in the office next to us at work. We find them in the house next to us in the neighborhood. Sometimes we find our enemies in our own home. And sometimes we find our enemy as we look in the mirror in the bathroom. Years ago, there was a comic strip character. And he said, we have met the enemy And he is us. And many times that is very true. And sometimes it feels like we are surrounded by enemies. The whole world is against us. It's it's us against the world. You remember the Lone Ranger and Tonto. You remember them, right? You remember those characters. Well, there's a story about the Lone Ranger and Tonto riding their horses through the desert and, and they come up on the top of the hill and when they come up on the top of a hill, they discover that they're surrounded by 2,000 Indians. And the Lone Ranger turns to Tonto and said, Tonto, what are we going to do? Tonto says, what do you mean we, pale face? You see, sometimes it seems like we're surrounded by our enemies. Now, I don't know what David was going through as he wrote this verse, but here's what I do know. He felt absolutely alone as he looked out over the horizon. All he saw was his enemies. But in the midst of all of this, I want you to listen to what David said in verse 5. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. He said, you prepare... A table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, like I said, I don't have a clue what David was going through as he wrote this verse. But I do know that God taught him an incredible truth about how we can live a stress-free life in spite of our enemies. As a matter of fact, as we read this single verse, we discover three truths that will help us as we go through life and we face our enemies. Because understand, regardless of who you are, regardless of how godly you may be, 
regardless of how much of a peacemaker you may try to live your life as, you will have enemies. And so as you go through life, how can you live stress-free as those enemies are staring you down? Well, here's the first thing that David said. If we want to live stress-free in spite of our enemies, we need to remember God's provision. Now, look at the first part of, of this verse again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, we're not going to go into this in this much detail this morning, but, but there are two phrases that are important in that first phrase. The first one is this, you prepare You see, it's not our responsibility to prepare the table. It's God's responsibility. And then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so as the enemies are all around, the good shepherd still provides a table for us. Now, one of the primary jobs of a shepherd was to find green grass where where the sheep could be nourished. And shepherds often call these lush green fields table land. But these fields were hard to come by in the Middle East, especially in the dry, parched summer months. And so the shepherd would have to scout out the land until he found this good table land. And then he would proceed to, to make the table safe for his sheep. He would pull the poisonous weeds. He would remove the, the rocks and the sticks so they, they couldn't hurt the sheep. He would drive out the wolves and the wild dogs, the bears and the coyotes, and any other predator that, that might be looking for a good meal. But one, one of the most dangerous enemies that a sheep had was, was a small but extremely dangerous enemy. It was an adder. An adder is a small brown snake that lives underground. And and the adders would pop their heads out of their hole and they would nip the nose of the sheep. And and the bite would oftentimes become infected and, and eventually it could kill the sheep. Now, as a defense, the shepherd would take oil and he would pour it around the opening of the hole. And this may sound strange, but because that oil was slippery, when the adder would try to climb up out of the hole and nip the nose of the sheep, the adder couldn't get out of his hole. And so the sheep would protect the shepherd from, or the shepherd would protect the sheep from the adder. Now, don't miss this. The enemy was still there. As a matter of fact, the enemy was all around. The enemy was in the woods. The enemy was outside the camp. The enemy was still under the ground, but the shepherd was there. And the shepherd was providing for and protecting the sheep so that they could have peace because of the shepherd's care. Now, that's what our Lord does for us. You see, our Lord doesn't necessarily remove our enemies. He protects us from our enemies. Uh, Write this down. He gives us peace. In the presence of our enemies. Don't miss that. That's what God does for us. God doesn't remove all of our enemies from us. But somehow, someway, because of the shepherd's provision, the shepherd's protection and our realization of that, we have peace 
even in the presence of our enemies. You see, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not the absence of enemies. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Did you hear that? Some of us think for us to have peace in life, our enemies have to be removed. No, they don't. All we need is the presence of Jesus. My dad's mother was was part Cherokee Indian. She grew up in in that part of North Carolina. And the Cherokee Indians had a tradition that they did with young boys as young boys were eventually becoming men. Their fathers would take them out in the woods all by themselves. They had no bow and arrow. They had no knife. They had no protection. But they had to stay there in the dark woods by themselves that night without any protection. The last thing the father would say as he was leaving his son is you have nothing to be afraid of. Now, those were good words. But that wasn't very comforting to that young kid who was about to spend the night all by himself in the midst of those woods. Because as it got pitch black dark, every single noise was a predator. (laughs) When, When a branch would break because of the swaying of the wind, the young boy would would hear a predator. When he would hear something rustling across the ground, he would hear a predator. Because he felt like there was predators all around. And instead of resting in the words that his father gave him, you have nothing to fear. Most of the time, the boy would stay up all night waiting for the sun to peek out early in the morning. And when the young boy saw that first light of the morning, do you know the first thing that he saw? He saw his father there. With his bow and arrow. His father had been there all night protecting him. And that's what Jesus does for us. You see, sometimes we we don't sense it maybe. Sometimes we can't see him. But we need to understand that, that even though there are enemies all around us. Enemies that come in all shapes and sizes. Our heavenly father is there. And he is not only providing a table for us, he is protecting us even in the presence of our enemies. And so the first thing we need to do if we want to live stress-free in spite of enemies is this. We need to remember God's provision. He prepares a table for us. He protects us in spite of our enemies. Here's the second thing that we need to do. We need to receive God's care. Now, notice that second phrase. David said, you anoint my head with oil. Now, don't miss that. David said, you, the Father, anoint my head. You see, God's care is always personal. The shepherd doesn't have the sheep walk under a faucet and turn the faucet on and and have them just walk through as the oil is poured out on them. No, that's not what the shepherd does. The shepherd takes each sheep individually and anoints them with the oil. Now, now in Israel, shepherds anointed sheep with oil for three reasons. The first reason was to repel insects. Now, Now, flies are an irritation to people, but, but they can kill sheep. 
And sheep have to deal with all kinds of flies. There, there's warble flies, bot flies, hill flies, deer flies, black flies. But the worst fly of all is the nose fly. They would fly into the nose of the sheep. And they would lay their eggs in the damp mucous membrane of the sheep. I know that's nasty. I know that sounds gross, but that's what they would do. And then the eggs would hatch, and these worm-like larvae would work their way up the navel passage into the sheep's head, and they would begin to burr their way into the sheep's flesh. And this would literally drive the sheep insane. They would beat their heads against trees, against rocks, against posts, against anything else to try to find relief because... Those sheep were being driven insane by these insects. And for this reason, the, she- the shepherd would anoint their heads with-, with a mixture of oil and sulfur and tar. And this mixture of oil and, and sulfur-, sulfur and tar did two things. First, it killed the larva so that it would die. And then it repelled other flies from coming around. You say, why? Because it stank was stinky. And so it would kill the insects, the larva that was inside, and and it would repel the other flies. Philip Keller said this. He said, often when the oil is applied to the sheep's head, there was an immediate change in behavior. Immediate. Now, isn't it amazing that oftentimes it is the little things of life that really irritate us, that really bug us, that ultimately causes us the greatest harm. Would you agree with that? I mean, things that seem so small, so minor, like a little nose fly in life, become something that irritates us and bugs us and, and ultimately destroys us. But here's what God does. God takes the oil of his Holy Spirit and he applies it to us. And as his Holy Spirit begins to work in us and through us, those little irritations no longer can become major problems. You see, our shepherd is concerned even with our little irritations of life. And so they would be anointed with oil to repel insects. The second reason the shepherd would anoint with oil is to prevent conflicts. And then you say, what for? Well, during mating season, Max Lucado says that rams put the ram in rambunctious. Gentle rams would become like raging animals. Their their necks would swell up. They would begin strutting around because they had mating on their mind. They had romance on their mind. And they would do everything they could to get that sweet little you to look at them, the ram. And they would go around and go, I got you on my mind. And they would just strut around. They would act like teenage boys. But all of a sudden, the problem would arrive. That little used boyfriend would show up. And when that little used boyfriend showed up, those rams started butting heads. That's where we get the term from. We get that term butting heads from the rams that would butt heads during mating season. And so the shepherd would do something. They would, he would take oil during mating season. He would cover their heads, the rams' heads, with oil 
So that when they would butt heads, what would happen? They would just glance off of one another. Because if they didn't, they would really hurt themselves. And sometimes a ram could get killed from butting heads. And don't we have the same problems as people? I mean, we even have it in the church, don't we? People butting heads. Amen or oh my? I mean, we do, right? I mean, that's why we have First Baptist Church and then Second Baptist Church. That's why we have Hope Baptist Church and then New Hope Baptist Church. Why? Not because we're a missional people, but because we butted heads. And we couldn't get along. We have these personality conflicts and power struggles and our feelings get hurt. And we have misunderstandings and we have this need for recognition. And and we have all of these things going on in our life. And, and all of a sudden we have these major conflicts. But here's what happens. God pours the oil of the Holy Spirit onto us. And, and there's even a psalm that David writes about this. That, that the, the, uh, the brothers who dwell in unity are like the oil on Aaron's beard. It's just a wonderful thing as the oil is poured on. And it allows us to be able to, to get through the conflicts of life. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit allows that in our life. That's why, hear me, hear me, look at me. That, that's why God hates divorce so much because divorce is saying to the world, the power of the Holy Spirit cannot resolve my problems. The all-powerful, almighty God doesn't have the power to work in my situation. And yet the Bible says that the anointing power of the Holy Spirit of God can take any personality conflict, any power struggle, and he can bring unity out of that. He can do it in our marriages. He can do it at work. Wow. He, he can even do it at church. He can do it everywhere. So the shepherd would anoint with oil to prevent conflicts. And then the third reason the shepherd would anoint with oil is to heal the wounds. You see, when sheep get cut or have a sore, debris and dirt easily gets into the wound. And, and when the dirt and debris get into the wound, it can cause an infection. And if that infection isn't treated, it can kill the sheep. And so the shepherd would use oil to clean the dirt from the wound and disinfect the wound so that the wound could heal. Now, perhaps the most common type of problem that a, a sheep had that, that he needed healing from was a disease called scab. And scab was when little mites would get into the sheep. And mites are little parasites, and, and they are highly contagious, and they would move from sheep to sheep. And it was often when the heads, the sheep were rubbing heads, because not when the rams were butting heads, but... But sheep just playfully like to rub heads. Perhaps you've seen them before. And when they do that, those mites would go from sheep to sheep and the parasite would spread and infect the entire sheep and the entire flock, making life miserable. So the shepherd would, would take the sheep and he would dip the sheep, the entire sheep, in, in the oil. And it would get rid of the scabs and it would prevent them from returning. Every day, without fail, the very last thing that the shepherd would do 
is he would examine the sheep one by one to make sure that there were no flies bothering them, that there was no problems concerning them, that they had no sores on them because he cared for them. Now listen to what the Bible says about our good shepherd in in Psalm 147. It says, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Aren't you glad? I mean, that's what God does for us. He heals us when our hearts are broken. He, He binds up our wounds. Now understand, the deeper the wound in your life, the longer it takes to heal. Just like when you have a physical wound, the deeper the wound, the more pronounced the wound, the longer it takes to heal. Some things, some things like divorce, rejection by our parents, molestation, may take a while for the oil of the Holy Spirit to work in our life in a way that brings healing. But understand, As the Holy Spirit works in our life, healing does come. But listen, don't miss this. Even after you've been healed, you still have scars. You see, scars are always there when you've been hurt. And with every scar, don't miss this, with every scar we have a choice. Every time we look at the scar, because you're going to see the scar, you can either remember the hurt... Or you can remember the healer. Every time you see a scar in your life, a scar that is the result of a relationship, a scar that is the result of of something that someone does to you, something bad. Every time you see that scar, you can remember the hurt and relive the hurt. Or you can remember the healer and the healing. That's your choice. You see, you can look at the scar And you can think of God's grace. When you remember the defeat, when you remember the failure, when you remember the hurt and the divorce, you think, I am a trophy of God's grace. Instead of focusing on our hurt, focus on the healer. And so the first thing we see is we've got to remember God's provision. The second thing is we receive God's care. But the third thing we need to do is this. We need to recognize God's blessings. Notice that last phrase. David says, my cup overflows. Now, in the Bible, an overflowing cup was a symbol of of complete satisfaction. According to David, we cannot even hold the blessings that God has prepared for us. (laughs) Let me say that again. According to David, we cannot even hold the blessings That God has in store for us. Those blessings overflow out of our life. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Life with the shepherd is supposed to be like. Listen to what David said. Or Jesus said. Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. In John chapter 4. And this woman had had a past. She had a major past. And she was going from relationship to relationship, trying to find what life was all about, but she never found it. And Jesus said this to her. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water, the water from that well that that they were at, will get thirsty again and again and again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst. Not ever. 
The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Jesus was saying that, that the things of this world, they may satisfy your thirst for a moment. But you're going to get thirsty again. And you're going to get thirsty again. You're going to get thirsty again. But if you come to me and let me satisfy your thirst, you'll never ever be thirsty again. But not only that, not only will I quench your thirst, I will quench your thirst in such a way that the blessings that I give you will flow out of your life so that other people will be blessed by the blessings that I bless your life with. That's what God wants to do to you. Jesus said the same thing in John 7 when he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. He said, rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me this way, just as the Scripture says. You see, This world will never fill the void in your life, the emptiness of life. That's why so many people are jumping from job to job, from relationship to relationship, from habit or hobby to habit or hobby, because what they're looking for, they're never going to find in those things. They never will, because those things will never satisfy the soul. You see, you will be filled up for a moment, And you'll become empty again. But that's not how it is with Jesus. When we have Jesus, when we trust Him, when we give our life to Him, we begin to overflow with the blessings of God. Now let me give you three blessings. Blessings that you can't put a price tag on. Blessings that that you can't necessarily see, but you can receive the results of. The first blessing is the overflow of hope. Listen to what it says in Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, hope flows from faith. As we look to the future, we have hope because we have faith. We have something to look forward to. You see, as we go through life, we need to understand that this world isn't all there is. There's always hope. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how tough it gets, as believers, we have hope. I love what the songwriter said. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. You see, he gives us a hope for the future. But he gives us something else. He gives us love that is poured out on other people. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians 3. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. You see, the Bible says that that when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, We are anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit and it begins to overflow through our life. He gives us a love that's not just enough for for our spouse. It's not just enough for our family. It's not just enough for our closest friends. It's not just enough for for Christians. It's, It's enough 
so that everyone can experience the love of God as it flows out of us. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. The people that are out to harm you, the people that are out to destroy you, the people that are out to kill you. Jesus said, love them. How? How is that even possible? How can we love those people? The oil of the Holy Spirit poured out on us, flowing in us and through us, gives us the ability to love those who want to do us harm. And so God's love flows out of us and is poured out on everyone. So we overflow with hope for the future. We overflow with love, not only for our family and for our friends, but even for our enemies. And then notice, he gives us joy. Jesus said in John 16, ask using my name and you will receive and your cup of joy will overflow. Ask and you will receive and you will have joy that overflows. Now let me remind you what joy is. Joy is a happiness that isn't dependent upon our situation or our circumstances. Joy is an internal happiness that is only dependent upon my relationship with the shepherd. And you see, when the Holy Spirit is living in us and flowing through us, we can have a joy in the midst of being surrounded by our enemies. And when that happens, we can live a stress-free life. As I'm reading through the Psalms, the thing that, that seems the most difficult for me thus far is being stress-free as enemies press down upon me. Have you ever faced an enemy in your life? If you faced an enemy, raise your hand. I mean, I have. I mean, as a pastor, I've faced enemies. I, I was pastoring a church one time, and, and God was doing some really neat things and setting people free from, from sin and, and habits, and, and it was incredible. But... But there were some people in the church that didn't like some of the people that were being changed by the power of God's Spirit. And, and they, they began to speak against me. And, and I was even cussed out at church one Sunday. Cussed out at church. I, I mean, I didn't even know you're supposed to know those words in church. I mean, it's crazy. But in the midst of all of that... There was peace. There was the absence of stress. Why? Because I knew that even in the midst of my enemies, as they pressed down around me and even wanted to destroy me, or in that case, run me off, I knew that my good shepherd had prepared a table for me. And he had anointed me with the oil of his Holy Spirit. And he was giving me a hope for the future that no one could take away. He was giving me a love for those people, even though they sought to destroy me. And he was giving me joy in the midst of horrific circumstances. And listen, if he can do it in my situation, in my circumstance, he can do it in yours. 
whoever or whatever your enemy may be, the good shepherd can come in. And as you remember his provision, he's prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. As you hold on to his care, he's going to anoint your head with oil. And as you recognize his blessings, your cup is going to overflow. In the midst of your enemies, you can have peace. Or either God's a liar. And I'm here to tell you, God's not a liar. And so bow your head with me. Close your eyes. And here's what I want you to do this morning. Maybe, just maybe, you're facing an enemy right now. You don't need to shout it out. (laughs) Don't tell us their name. But maybe you have an enemy. An enemy that is causing you a whole lot of stress. God is greater than your enemy. Don't forget it. Right here, right now. Let me encourage you to remember that God has promised to provide for you and protect you. Let me encourage you right here to receive God's care. Let him anoint you with the power of his Holy Spirit. And as he does, let me encourage you to get ready. Because as he anoints you, he's going to pour out his blessings upon you. Now you may be here this morning and and the enemy you're facing, the enemy that's really destroying you right now is is not an enemy that, that you can see here on planet earth. It It may not be an enemy in the form of a situation or circumstance that you can put your hands on. Your enemy may be none other than our eternal enemy, Satan, the devil. The one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And and maybe you've never been set free from his power. Maybe you're here and and you've tried to, to get freedom from from this habit or this hurt or this hang up. And no matter how hard you've tried, you just can't have victory. There's victory. And it comes in the name of Jesus. So if you're here and, and you need the good shepherd in your life and you've never received him, I want to encourage you right here, right now, to humble yourself before him. And give your life to him. Say, Rocky, how do I do that? Well, you pray this prayer, mean it with all your heart. Dear God, I come to you this morning admitting that I am a sinner. I've lived life my way. I've sought to be my own shepherd, my own boss. I don't want to live that way anymore. Forgive me. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. Right here, I'm trusting you to save me. Come into my life, come into my heart, 
take control. I am committing my life to you. From this moment on, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for hearing me, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Amen.